Real Golf Radio. It's a reround now on the tee. Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. Brought to you by Siegfried and Jensen. Protecting the rights of you and your loved ones. It's a reround on Real Golf Radio. Hey, welcome into the Mountain Land Supply Hour of Real Golf Radio. You know Mountain Land Supply is your turf specialist with rainbird sprinklers, controllers, drip irrigation, and everything you need to irrigate your lawn like the pros. But this weekend specifically, we got snow. It's the time when you're going to go and hit up Mountain Land for your snow shovel and your ice melt and all that. They got it for you. Just check it out. MountainlandSupply.com. Great supporters of the game of golf here in Utah. Support them as well. MountainlandSupply.com for a location near you. Well, here we go. Super Bowl weekend, Phoenix open is being played we got a few fans out there we got some big names in the mix bob um Mm -hmm. this is this is fun i mean last year this is the one tony should have had this is the one that got away he's not playing this year he's over in saudi arabia because he was really supposed to have been there last year but he just moved his family to phoenix and didn't want to mess that all up so he rescheduled so he's there and um at the time of of us doing the show he still had a couple holes to play but to play was suspended due to darkness but he's right up in there right six under par yeah, he's six under par, only uh, what three or four shots back, and uh, but Tony's playing well. You know, he's he's come off a tied for fourth and a tied for second in his last two starts, and uh, had an opportunity at San Diego last week to get in the clubhouse. And if he makes an eagle on the final hole, you know, he gets in at twelve under par, and you never know what's going to happen. And and he absolutely did the right thing. He went for it, and uh, even though he didn't make the eagle, he still finished tied for second. Uh, after hitting the ball in the water and making bogey on the final hole. And uh, good for him. He's playing some good golf and had two top fives in the last two weeks. Meanwhile, in Phoenix, we've got uh, Xander Shoffley doing his thing at the top of the leaderboard. But then you got, what, 53-year-old and Ryder Cup captain Steve Stricker and Keegan Bradley we haven't heard of. They're right there at 11 under par. And then you got Jordan Spieth and Brooks Kepka at 8 under par. Justin Thomas at 7 under par. I mean, there's some names in the mix here that we haven't necessarily – not that Justin Thomas, we've seen him plenty, but – Brooks is coming off three consecutive missed cuts for the first time in his career, coming off that injury. Jordan Spieth, man, the guy we haven't heard boo from for how long? And so the fact that these guys are in the mix, this is going to be exciting stuff, at least worth watching as you lead up to your Super Bowl coverage uh, this weekend. You know, Xander is a guy that continues to play extremely well. Um, He's looking for another win. Uh, He's had a little bit of a drought. But the guys that I'm going to watch this weekend that I'm excited to watch are Brooks Kepka and Jordan Spieth and mm. see how they figure things out uh, over the final two days to to put themselves in positions to possibly have a chance to win. No doubt about it. Absolutely. Well, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, we had a great couple of hours. I'd highly recommend you uh, download and uh, check out the show. You can also uh, listen to it off of the 1280 The Zone app, so you can click on It'll be posted there as well. But great conversation with Thomas Pagel from the USGA. We're going to talk about that. Uh, we're we're going to replay that for you. We also talked to Derek Fox from Impact Golf Center uh, here in Utah and get a fitter's perspective on how distance might impact. So that's going to be most of it. And then we talked a lot about Patrick Reed and the embedded ball. I know you're probably curious of our take you have to check that out uh on on twitter at real golf where we post all that but we spent quite a bit of time talking about patrick reed rory mcelroy and the comments that were made uh around what happened at the farmers insurance open last week it was something that uh, was was pretty interesting and clear that patrick reed is today's villain on the pga tour no doubt about <laughs> it so hey uh let's get right out to Derek. uh i think it's a great conversation so let's jump right to it it's brought to you in part by zion's bank we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. Here's Derek Fox. How are you guys? 
Good, man. Good to have you on the show. Uh, it's great to spend some time with you the other night. Uh, the new TrackMan systems that you have there at Impact are fantastic. Great feedback and uh, certainly gives a lot of data points that, you know, from my standpoint, maybe I'm just getting old, Derek, but I was just like, okay, you tell me what all these numbers mean and then give me some things I need to work on because it's so much information. Yeah, TrackMan, uh, you can definitely get lost in a sea of, of info there. There's a lot of data points. Um, however, if you if you get with a coach that can, that can kind of help you navigate the important points, I, I really am seeing a lot of my students you know, have that feedback to improve, to improve quickly. So it's been kind of cool to see because, you know, I, I'm a big advocate of practicing on technology. I think you can cut the amount of time you need to practice down, um, practice smart, not practice hard. And then you can spend more of your time doing short game and, and playing, which is the ultimate goal, right? But yeah. it's not to be a range no rat about it. Yeah, I I was a major range rat, and I, I now in my forties, I regret not playing more golf. So. There you go. Yeah, yeah, it was interesting when my my dad grew up and and playing golf, and when he played on tour, and when he played on the Champions Tour, I got the opportunity to caddy for him quite a bit, and he didn't like he didn't like being on the range just hitting golf balls because it's perfect lie, perfect conditions, nice and flat. He liked to be out on the golf course playing, um, hitting from different lies and different winds and different conditions that you see when you're out on the golf course. He felt like he learned more about a golf course that way. And I would agree with that. I mean, I, I, I tell all my students, you have technical practice and practical practice and you know, the problem is we try to get our technical practice on the range with no video, no track man, no feedback. And your only real, your only thing you look at to see what you're doing is the ball flight. But sometimes, you know, the ball flight can deceive you. You know, you might make a bad swing and hit a good shot because you time your flip right. And you might make a good swing that ends up being a bad shot. But you could start to groove the right moves if you have that technical feedback. And then you can spend more time doing the practical stuff like your dad likes to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which, which I, I'm finding it's helping a lot of my students. They can get in, they can get their work done. Um, then they can kind of get out, you know, get, get where you, you've actually learned how to play the game. I went through a point in my pro career where I remember Boyd Summerhays and I out on a mini tour event and, you know, Boyd was like, man, you just, you forgot how to play. Yeah, you're striping it every day we go to the range, but you forgot how to play golf. Um, and I think that's a big part of it is I, I was not shifting from technical to practical very well. So That's an interesting but story. Yeah. That's like the sea biscuit yep. thing, right? Uh, yep. where, where the trainer says, he's just forgotten how to be a horse. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, cause he's yeah. been running in circles for so long. Uh, that, that, that's interesting. I love that. Hey, Derek, uh, as it relates, and we're going to get back to some of the fitting stuff, but real quick on this USGA, uh, it's, it's a very, uh, uh, complicated discussion, I guess, when it surrounds distance and you see the way that Bryson DeChambeau is pushing the limits and not just Bryson. We've seen it for a long time. It, it seems generation over generation that players are hitting the ball longer and some of the golf courses are having to adjust. And now we're looking at 8,000 yard golf courses. There's a lot of ramifications from resources to water to how long it takes to play. The bigger, the longer the golf courses get all of that type of thing. Um, However, they're, they're, the other side of it is we're talking about, like Rory says, a 0.1% of all of golfers that really can yeah. do something with it. So from your standpoint, from teaching juniors all the way up to even my dad uh, working with him, and he's pushing 70, 
What are, what are, what's your take when you hear the USGA saying, hey, we have a distance problem. We might want to think about uh, putting these golf balls in check, rolling back a little bit, and maybe take a look at these drivers as well. So I think you have a distance problem on tour. Um, I don't think you have a distance problem. I think, you know, when, when you look at someone like your dad, my dad, you know, I mean, they've allowed the iron technology to advance enough that my dad's really probably only lost one club, maybe two clubs on his iron, but on the driver, he's lost 30 or 40 yards. Interesting. Um, and the, the, the thing that's frustrating to me as a fitter is these guys just want to enjoy the game. Like they just want to play the game. But like I take my dad to Pebble beach, for example, and you know, we go to tee off and I'm trying to tell him to move up to these tees, but, it's ego, man. He doesn't want to go up to the sure. tee right, right next to the ladies' tee. But then he's only hitting his driver 220 at sea level, and he's not enjoying the round of golf. And, you know, the thing is, is the drivers are not really, in my opinion, getting drastically hotter off the middle of the club. I mean, maybe a little bit. You know, Epic definitely changed the game there a little bit with their jailbreak, got the ball more efficient off the face. I think the other companies are starting to use some technology to kind of catch up and do their own thing to make it more efficient off the face, but they're spreading it out across the whole face. And, and so you will see the average guy gaining a little bit of distance off of, you know, a toe hit or a slight toe or slight heel. But when they hit it dead, dead in the middle of the screws, I mean, it's not that much longer in that I see. It is a little longer. Right? It's, but, you know, you're picking a guy at five, eight yards. It's not a big deal. These pros, though, to me, they're getting more accurate with how they swing the club because of stuff like track bands. They're learning how to get the face in a better position, so they're not doing as much flipping at the ball. So they're swinging 10 times harder. You don't hear, see those guys swinging 80% anymore. No. It used to be like swing, swing 80%. I mean, Bryce and DeChambeau swinging 100%. You know, they're, they're swinging hard. And some of that is because the faces are so forgiving. You know, Adam Scott said that once. Like, we can hit it anywhere on the face, and it's still going to go 300 yards. So, to me, it's not a – I think the USGA and the, the RNA need to quit making rules for the amateur game that apply to, like what Roy says, that small percentage of, of top guys. If they want to make St. Andrews relevant and not have to change it, then do it they did it at the Rocky stadium for baseball and don't let them hit balls that jump or, you know, I mean, I, I don't mind it if they want to pull those guys back a little bit, but I don't think they should pull. If they pull guys like your dad and my dad back even more, I'm not sure how much longer guys will want to play the game. They'll mm-hmm. just be like, if you start, if you start lengthening the courses, I mean, guys that are better, you know, my dad was a club, you know, he won some club championships. And you know, now he's like, man, I got to go to the combo tees, and I still can't break. You know, I can't break eighty. It's like yeah. it would be awesome if my dad could hit it twenty yards farther. I would give it to him on a heartbeat, and not bad an eye. So I actually wish they would go to two sets of rules, in my opinion. You know, yeah. So like bif- bifurcation is is what uh, is what we're talking about, um, which the USGA and the PGA Tour and everybody has really kind of tried to to stay away from and not do her, not do at all. Um, you know, Webb Simpson yeah. came out. He had some thoughts on it. Um, his, his, you know, he's a, he's a guy that's hitting it almost average, almost 300 yards on the PGA Tour. He's considered short. He ranks 141st yeah. in driving distance, and he hits it 
297 off the tee, 298 on average off the tee, and he's 141st in distance. It's crazy. Yeah, predominantly, but, predominantly at sea level. Yes, predominantly at sea level. So what he said is yeah. the golf course setup needs to be changed more. Um, you know, 13th hole at Augusta, instead of taking it 40 yards back further, stick a tree right off the right off the front of the tee on the left-hand side so the so that the the guys that hit it left to right can't tee up on the right side of the uh, of the tee and just hit a big high cut up over those trees. Now now put a a medium-sized tree there. Now they have to play the hole as it's as it's shaped out. Um that there's a lot of things you can do. You can flip-flop bunkers a little bit, make it so that anything 300 yards or less uh, you got a bigger room. Anything over 300 yards, you, you got it narrower. Those types of things. And that's how he feels how you rein things in, especially in the professional game. And I don't necessarily disagree or have a problem with that. I mean, we've talked a lot about that with our home club, with Reese Jones coming in to do the redesign. Um, you know, one of the tough parts of our home club is a lot of the trouble, the longer hitters just hit over the dog legs. Yeah. You know, they just bomb it over the tree. So it's like, okay. One way you could solve that is, you know, I know um, you guys at Alpine have added quite a few bunkers, mm -hmm. right? So there's a bunker there that if, if I want to take it on at 330, okay. But a guy that hits at 290 is not going to get to it. So I, I definitely don't have a problem with some of that. Um, the only thing that kind of sucks about that is that doesn't go with the intent of the original designer, but uh, neither does an 8,000-yard extension of Augusta, right? I mean, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so I, it's, there's no great answer that it's just, it is, you know, I don't love watching guys hit driver lob wedge on tour, you know? That's a good point. So, hey, Derek, real quick, before we run out of time, from a fitter standpoint, because I think one of the challenges with the bifurcation idea is that manufacturers worry that, if they can't sell the driver that their guy is playing, Rory McIlroy, for instance, because we've been bringing him up, you know, hey, I want to play Rory's driver. Or I want to play Phil's driver or Tiger's driver or whatever. Um, is, how big of an impact, if it was a bifurcation thing, and you, you knew that you weren't buying the driver that the guys were playing on tour, Now, and you can also throw the asterisk in that you're probably not buying the driver they're playing anyway, but the, but the yeah. idea that you can buy their equipment or play the same ball, <clears throat> do you see that from a fitter standpoint, and you're trying to fit and sell clubs, does, does that become problematic, or do you think it's inconsequential? I mean, personally, I think if it's an epic driver and it's an epic driver that goes farther for the amateur and it's dialed back for the pro, I, I don't think they care that it's the exact same one. I think I just, they want, you know, amateurs that come in to get, now maybe if you're walking in and you're just buying something off a rack, but the guys that come in to get fit by me, they want what they hit the best. So if they hit a, you know, if I can give them a driver that goes 15 yards farther, I think they'd go for it all day long. Like, you know, I don't think it matters if it's TaylorMade, Callaway, Crank. I mean, I've tested some Crank illegal drivers, um, and I'm not getting the results some other people are seeing. But I've got guys that are like, dude, if you give me extra 20 yards, I don't care. I'll tell my NAFA buddies, you know, where to get it, and we'll all play with that driver. And, you know, they'll just enjoy the game more. It's just like the belly putter. I mean, it's all the stuff the USGA does, it's like – Oh crap! Keegan Bradley and Webb Simpson are winning this way. Well, if it was the best way to do it, everybody on tour would do it. So quit making rules for the PGA Tour that have to apply for the everyday guy that just wants to go out and have fun and enjoy the game with his buddies. You know. 
I love I love it. Derek Fox is the owner of Impact Golf in Salt Lake. You can check him out at impactgolfcenter.com, premier fitter here in the state. And I know one of the things, Derek, that I think is great, not only do you teach there out of your uh, facility, uh, you have the TrackMans, as we talked about. You've also got some motion capture and video systems that are uh, next level that you've installed. But the, the custom fitting, the custom builds, uh, the teaching and instruction and practice that's available there uh, from an indoor facility, which is great for all those of us here in Utah, but and rest to places around the country that are in you know seasonal conditions and like to get in and swing the club and use that track man to play around a golf uh virtually um but you're able to do so you know through the pandemic you're able to, to stay open and keep the social distance but you've also got this good better best just kind of real quickly because i think a lot of people when they hear custom fitting they think mm, that might be a little too expensive for what i'm uh, trying to do yeah, so, so you know, it used to be I only did kind of my tour-level build, uh, what I would do for, for like, my my PGA Tour players. And, you know, that includes the SSD puring, and, we, you know, we frequency map the shafts. We just really fine-tune the gear. We still offer that still as we're most known for, but, you know, that's a smaller demographic. So we decided this year we still offer the same fitting experience. You come in, we fit you to all the high-end shafts, all the high-end stuff, and then we basically give you – three categories to purchase from. So our good category is really just the stock option. You know, it's, we go in, all these companies have some stock options. The shafts aren't quite as nice as the upgraded shafts, but you know, there's usually five, six, seven, eight stock options that I can go through in my back end office that don't cost you an upgrade that I can match to the profile of the high end shaft we fit you to. And then you're walking out of there with the, you know, you're walking out with the same price club that you would buy at any box store but you get a really custom experience doing it and you let us as the experts pick the shaft that's closest to what we wanted you um the better is just an upgraded shaft kind of installed the same way it would just get installed anywhere else so you just kind of cut it to length glue it in logo up logo down um so you get the upgraded shaft but there's not a lot that goes into the build um our best option you know for 30 extra dollars we go in and do what we call a tour build where we have the actual frequency of the shaft that we fit you to. We measure the raw shaft, decide how we trim it to get that as close as we can. So your true flex is the same as what we wanted it to be. And then we do a process called SST shaft curing, which uh, we're big, big believers in curing. It's just like, I mean, your shafts kind of your timing mechanism of your club and kind of controls the face. So, uh, yeah, it's like a line on the steering wheel of your car. If you're going to buy a $400 shaft, you know, make sure it's glued in so it performs the best. And, you know, Bob can probably even share his experience with, you know, kind of what happened with puring. And, you know, I'm a yeah. big believer in it. So that gives you options. So. I love it. And you guys do a great job and we appreciate uh, the good work you've done on my clubs. I know I've gotten better every year since I've been working with you, not only from a teaching standpoint, but from a fitting standpoint as well. Great work, Derek, uh, at Impact Golf Center. Check them out in, uh, at impactgolfcenter.com or if you're local here in Utah, uh, give them a call at 801-987-8934. Derek, uh, great to visit with you. Good to see you, buddy, and we'll be talking soon. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right, our conversation with Derek Fox brought to you in part by Hoops Vision. Go to hoopsvision.com, schedule a free consultation, and just mention Rug Off Radio, you will save $1,000 off your LASIK procedure, and they are the best. They do all the golfers in the area. Bob and I have been, had it done along with Weirzy and uh, the Summer Hayes group, uh, Clay Ogden. Everybody has gone to the professionals at Hoops Vision. Do it. Mention Rug Off Radio, you'll save $1,000 at Hoops Vision. 
and hoopsvision.com. Stay tuned. Thomas Pagel from the USGA next. Hey, when you're not hunting birdies on the golf course, you may just want to hunt or shoot. Get some guns and ammo. Yeah, it's what you want. It's also the name of the store. Stop in one of the four locations along the Wasatch Front with Get Some Guns and Ammo stores in Murray, Orem, Layton, and Tooele. A great selection of firearms, an indoor shooting range for rifle, pistols, and shotguns, and Get Some has a large selection of range gun rentals so you can try it before you buy it. Beginners are welcome. Come and learn from the experts at Get Some. Guns and Ammo, open seven days a week. Hi, this is Ned Siegfried. Siegfried and Jensen can help you if you've been injured in an accident. However, one thing we can't do is change the amount of your insurance coverage. You need to do that before an accident. By calling your insurance agent today, you can significantly raise your insurance limits for literally pennies a day. You'll be shocked to find out how little it costs to really protect yourself and your family. To learn more about this and other important elements of an accident, visit us at SiegfriedandJensen.com. This is Brian Taylor. In 22 years of hosting this show, the most life-changing experience I've had was getting LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision. I met Dr. Philip Hoops and Dr. Phil Hoops Jr. over a decade ago. They helped me through the decision process of understanding what benefits I would experience and the various options I had to choose from. One thing was for sure, I was done with contacts and glasses. What a hassle. Not ideal for my lifestyle. Of course, I was nervous. It's your eyes after all. But the Hoops Vision free consultation was absolutely key. They were thorough and walked me through everything to put my concerns to rest and the day of the surgery was so easy really one of the simplest things I've gone through and it worked I could see instantly and 12 years later I haven't had any issues at all I can still see that tee shot land 300 yards down the fairway well you know close to 300 yards anyway schedule your free consultation today at hoopsvision.com join the list of happy patients like Mike Weir Bruce and Boyd Summerhays Bob Casper and me oh and mention Real Golf Radio and you'll save a thousand dollars off your LASIK procedure do it now at hoopsvision.com Vision.com. Introducing the Amazing Rewards for Business 321 program. With the Amazing Rewards for Business Visa credit card from Zions Bank, you earn three points for select business purchases, two points for travel, and one point for all other purchases. Learn more about the Amazing Rewards 321 program at ZionsBank.com or your local Zions Bank. Zions Bank, we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. Subject to credit approval, terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. Zions Bank, a division of ZBNA member FDIC. Ever wonder how the Salt Lake Bees baseball field looks so good? The award-winning Bees grounds crew turned to Mountainland Supply for their turf irrigation needs. Mountainland Supply is the exclusive Rainbird golf distributor in Utah. What does that mean for you? Well, when you need irrigation products for your lawn that you can trust, Mountainland Supply will not only have what you need, but can assist you in designing your sprinkler system with smartphone technology controllers, drip irrigation, pipe, parts, and tools. Go to mountainlandsupply.com to find the location nearest you. Tee it up at Uinta Golf and find your right fit. At Uinta Golf, they take customer service to a whole new level. Not only do they fit for clubs, they take pride in servicing customers throughout the entire store. They'll help you find the right shoes, bags, gloves, balls, apparel, and more. You'll find name brand equipment at guaranteed lowest prices every day. So buy it, try it. They know you'll like it because Uinta Golf helped you find the right equipment. Visit Uinta Golf and get custom fit today. Uinta Golf, home of the 90-day 100% satisfaction guarantee. 
Have you heard? There's an all-new experience coming to St. George, Utah. Black Desert Resort at Entrada is a full community resort experience featuring a resort hotel, private residences, world-class dining and shopping, a Tom Weiskopf designed championship golf course, and so much more. With a simple message of remarkable within reach, Black Desert Resort beckons you to visit and even stay for a lifetime. Exclusive real estate opportunities are available at blackdesertresort.com. Black Desert Resort at Entrada. Unlike anything you've experienced before. It's a reround on Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. All right, welcome back. Real Golf Radio here in the Mountainland Supply Hour, number three, brought to you in part by Get Some Guns and Ammo. They have four locations up and down the Wasatch Front. They have a great selection of range gun rentals, so you can try it before you buy it. They are your source for ammo and guns at Get Some Guns and Ammo. And, uh, Actually, Thomas mentioned get your gun in, though, as he was <laughs> referencing how this whole distance thing might go down, as in that's not what they're trying to do. But I no. think this is really insightful. Thomas, formerly here at the uh, Utah Golf Association, now executive the, director, yeah. Yeah, now the U.S. Golf Association. And I uh, hope you enjoy this extended conversation with Thomas Pagel. Hey, Thomas, how are you? I'm doing well, guys. How are you? Yeah, doing good. Boy, it's been uh, it's been a week for you. It seems like, uh, and and by the way, you're always gracious with your time during these uh, discussions as they come up. I know you get a lot of requests, so thank you. Um, I guess just kind of sum up uh, your week and 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 a little bit of the the feelings and feedback that you've got as you've made these announcements. Yeah, well, and first of all, thanks for having me. It's always fun to come on with you guys and and have these conversations. Um, yeah, so this week. Uh, was built, really building on uh, a report that we released last February, right? So the distance insights report, which, you know, the three of us have talked about, which was the most mm-hmm. comprehensive study on, on distance in the game, USG and RNA. We went back, you know, a hundred years, uh, looked at the trends of increased hitting distance, looked at the trends of, of uh, increased course lengthening, and then tried to choreograph with data sort of what future uh, 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 projections could look like both from a golf course side, a hitting side, but also, frankly, from an environmental side, from a land usage side, from a resource consumption side. And as you step back and you look at the data, you really see a confluence of these things coming to a head uh, and a recognition that this cycle that we've experienced over the last hundred years of every generation of golfer hitting it further, uh, golf courses continuing to lengthen where they can and where they can't perhaps become compromised. We just started to see a real challenge facing the game. And so last February, we came out with a distance report. We said, there's a problem. Not that the game's in a bad spot. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is we think that there's a problem if this cycle continues into the future. Uh, and in February of last year, we said we're, we're going to issue what we call an area of interest notice at some point, which kicks off the equipment rulemaking process where we, we share with the manufacturers, here are the areas we're interested in researching. Uh, and we are going to do that in March of, of 2020. And in particular, I think we're going to release it the Tuesday after the Players' Championship. And, and I think you both can recall what happened the Thursday evening of the Players' Championship where the PGA tour shut down. I mean, I was down there and I got a phone call from, uh, uh, from the PGA tour staff saying we're shutting it down, get home as fast as you can. Well, the entire golf world followed closely thereafter. And so we put yeah. rightfully put the pause on releasing the research topics, wanted to make sure that the manufacturers had time to focus on the challenges that were in front of all of us. Uh, we worked, you know, and frankly, we needed that time too, as we worked with the PGA of America, golf course superintendents, all these others around how can golf courses get COVID ready? How can we help lobby governments to open golf courses back up, which we think can be played in a socially distanced and responsible manner? 
And so everybody's efforts were focused on that. Uh, golf had a, a, a great year, right? Last year, participation's up 15%. Uh, manufacturers still experiencing some supply chain issues, but generally speaking, they had a good year. As we looked into the future, we said, okay, right now, February 21, it's time to pick up the distance report again. It's time to dust that off. It's time to issue our area of, uh, uh, our area of interest. So we want to share those research topics and really, again, kick the process back off, working with manufacturers, working with the golf community on what solutions might be in the future to help end this cycle of increased distance. So tell us what the, the three main, um, I guess, proposed changes to manufacturers are right now and what you're focusing on. Sure. And so, so we actually, we issued two sets of documents to the manufacturing community and then shared them more publicly this week. Uh, the first is the area of interest, which are those long-term solutions around distance, right? If there's, if there's a way for us to stop the cycle from an equipment standpoint, it will come out of the research that'll be done this year in the area of interest. Second to that, we, we sent out what we call a notice uh, of proposed changes to the manufacturers, which were really three areas that are, are more of our standard uh, day-to-day business. Um, uh, more so than the distance insights. And the three proposed changes that are imminent or that are put out um, to, to, to happen more sooner would be two of them around testing standards, right? So you have uh, what we call uh, the overall distance standard where we measure the distance golf balls fly and bounce under certain launch conditions. Uh, we're suggesting or pr- we're proposing that each golf ball actually be measured against its optimal distance. Uh, and I'm not an engineer, right? I have uh, uh, great engineers that work on our team that could explain this way better than I, I can. But if you were to measure a golf ball under standard conditions, there, there's R&D that's taking place within those golf balls. They're actually being optimized to where they can be launched at a different angle or a different spin rate to actually go beyond the testing standard. And so all we're trying to do is recognize the capabilities of manufacturers, of the manufacturing community, and, and really begin to test each golf ball from its optimized ang- launch angle and optimized spin rate. Um, again, a lot of technical stuff that goes into that, but the manufacturers and, and our engineers are able to work through it. The, the second one is a reduction in tolerance for what we call CT. Uh, and that's the CT is the measure of trampoline effect, right? It's, it's how long a golf ball is impacting a club face. Uh, the rule is 200 and, uh, 239 microseconds. But historically, there's been a tolerance of 18 microseconds on top of that, which is a bit of a historical carryover from an old test. So uh, if you have the 18 microseconds, that means that that golf club is conforming if the, if the trampoline effect is measured between 239 and 257. Well, what we're seeing is our, our testing capabilities have gotten better. Manufacturing capabilities have gotten better. And that 18 microsecond tolerance isn't necessary. We can actually take it down to six. Um, and, and, and sort of still be well within our standards. And so those are really inside the beltway changes that we'll, we'll work on with the manufacturing community. They're going to have uh, limited to no impact on the reduction of distance. That's why I say they're more about um, day-to-day standards. And then the last proposed change that we came out with is a uh, suggestion for model local rule to limit shaft length from 48 inches to 46 inches. Uh, this is an area we've looked at since at least 2014. We actually went through the full equipment rulemaking process back then and had a proposed change in 2018 to limit as a rule, limit shaft length to 46. However, knowing that we were getting ready to undertake this comprehensive study with Distance Insights, we put the pause on that change and said, let's let's go through the study, let's go through the report, and we'll pick up shaft length at some point in the future. Well, 
you know, we think the time is right now to pick it back up. Uh, and so we put that out there as a proposal and offered 30 days uh, of comment for uh, the golf community to come back uh, and share, share how they feel about the, that proposed change. So that, that one um, could be the most visible of the three proposals and certainly could take effect uh, the soonest of the three proposals. So I think Thomas Pagel, the USGA, joining us here, I think you gave that context. So this is not the Bryson rule. This is something you've been looking at for long before Bryson decided, hey, let's try a 48-inch a driver, huh? This was, uh, you know, we were looking at this before uh, before Bryson won the U.S. Amateur Olympia field. So this is something that's been in the work for a while. But look, as players have, have continued to experiment, uh, this is an area that, um, again, if you let it go on, uh, future change becomes that much harder, right? And so as an organization, we want to try and be a bit more proactive here. We think that the time is right now to suggest the change. And and again, we'll have 30 days of comment where where we're going to talk to manufacturers, we're going to talk to players, we're going to talk to the tours to better understand their views around what this model local rule might look like. And then from there, we'll talk about when and how to best implement it. Thomas, I think I can speak for all of the golf industry uh, by saying we'll, we'll negotiate if we can get relief out of the divot in the middle of the fairway. I'm, okay, I'm just I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It didn't take you long. I mean, usually it's the end of the conversation before you go. There. You know so, it, that that rears its ugly head every time, doesn't it? It's, 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 yeah, it's like clockwork. Uh, hey, so so what you're what you're basically saying is that uh, the game is not in a bad condition now. The trajectory um, is causing concerns from a pace of play standpoint, from a resource standpoint, from, uh, you know, uh, obviously the, the limiting the, the golf courses and, and what, what they have to offer. And we want to be able to maintain the game there. But, but when you start talking local rules, it, it, it brings up the word bifurcation, which is such a fun word mm-hmm. to say. Uh, and and I, I guess there's this idea in golf that it's cool that we play the same club, same courses, same conditions, and we can measure ourselves against, you know, from an amateur level to the, the top level, you know, and we can theoretically do that all the way back through history. But if you are really paying attention, you know, you're not exactly playing the same stuff Bobby Jones was playing, you know, and things of that, even Jack Nicholas, right? I mean, you're not playing the same stuff he was playing. So um, I, I've never been fully against the whole bifurcation thing. Do you see that happening where, again, to Rory's comments, saying that this is a, a, a narrow-minded look at a, the 0.001% of all of golfers, do you see this as, as more of an issue around the competitive game, or do you see this kind of going also into the amateur and, and the rest of the 99% of us? Yeah, I mean, look, there, I think there are a couple of questions to unpack there. The, fir- the first is we, we see this as an issue that impacts everyone, right? Uh, the, the data shows that uh, even if you only have a small subset of players that play the back tees at your course, uh, as, golf, as, as hitting distance increases, golf courses are lengthening, right? Even golf courses that don't host major events, uh, whether it's a prestige factor or whether they're, they're trying to cater to the small number of golfers that might play those back tees, there's a cost to it, right? And that cost gets passed, all, passed along to all of us as, as golfers. And so we do see this as an issue that, that faces everyone, uh, and, and we think it's important. That said, uh, you know, a, a lot of the conversation this week has focused on the recreational game and don't, don't take, you know, the club out of my bag. Don't take yards out of my bag. We said last year when we released the distance report, we have no uh, intent at this time or, or really at any point in the future to have a substantial decrease across the game. So, you know, the recreational golf community should, should sort of take solace that this is not, you know, somebody said coming for your guns. This is not about coming for your guns, right? This is, 
we know you enjoy the game. We know that you want to continue to try and, and hit it further. And, and we, we want to support that. So this is not about taking yards off the recreational game. That said, there could be some yardage, but it's going to be minimal. Uh, at the same point, this is also not just about the elite game. Uh, and so it, it becomes complicated. To your question about bifurcation, look, we continue to believe that a single set of rules is one of the great attributes uh, that golf has. It's the only sport where, uh, regardless of what level you play on, you can play the same courses under the same rules with the same equipment. Uh, and it really does tie us together. And you think of like the world handicap system and how that further bond, you know, binds the golf community together uh, and what two sets of rules could do. Um, because at what point, you know, are, should the rules be applied? Is it only at the tour level? Is it at the state amateur level? Is it at the high school level? Uh, do players need to start having two sets of clubs? I mean, it can get complicated pretty quick. So we, we still think that a single set of rules is an important attribute to the game. Uh, you brought up, Brian, lo- you know, the, the concept of a model local rule. We don't see that as bifurcation. Um, you know, we have model local rules. Frankly, model local rules have been in effect since the first set of rules came out in 1744. That first set of those, those 13 original rules were written for one golf course, for one tournament. Essentially, they were 13 local rules. And then as golf continued to sort of gain popularity, every golf course was, was writing their own set of local rules. And it wasn't until you know, sorry for the history lesson, but it wasn't until 1899 that the RNA stepped in and had a single set. And in 1952, we joined the RNA for, for a worldwide single set of codes. That said, you have 35,000 golf courses around the world. Uh, we've talked about this. They're, they're all different, right? We don't, we're not like uh, another sport where the venues are all the same. And so you need model local rules to adapt to uh, and provide options and flexibility for committees at the, at the local level for things that might impact their golfers or their golf course. Equipment has long been included within model local rules, right? Today you have a model local rule for, uh, uh, you know, if you're going to play a club or driver, it must, uh, it must be on what we call a conforming driver list. You know, the, yeah. the tours, the league level competitions use that. That's not in play at, at the club level. Same thing with golf balls or the one ball condition or the groove rule. Uh, and so all we're saying around ex- exploration of a model local rule is as we look at this research at what potential levers could be, uh, pulled to reduce distance from an equipment standpoint. If we look at some of those levers and we say, you know what, that's not something that we think is appropriate across the game. Meaning that would actually take too much distance off the recreational game, but perhaps it's an option that some committees might want for a, a tournament or tours might want for the future. Well, let's consider the availability of those options as we move forward. So, so Thomas, one of the things that you've talked about um, in those, those three, um, aspects is that is the golf ball um and it's not just it's not just a blanket reduction of 10 20 or 30 percent on the golf ball it's not it's not in other words it's not that easy um what what are some of the things that you're looking at with the golf ball because face it if if we've got the set of parameters um those engineers and whatever are going to push that envelope and they're going to figure out ways to continue on with the game as we've always seen it yeah, and that's, so look, that last point you made is, is, is an important one, right? The, you're, you're absolutely right. The R&D staff, the manufacturers, they're brilliant individuals. They're, they're very smart, and so they're going to take the parameters you give them, and they're going to be innovative within those parameters. And, 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 and we get that, and we support that. And that's why as we go into this process and we look at the research, it's important we work with the manufacturing community because we want to make sure that any decision we make, we're making in a fully informed state. So we understand what the workarounds might be. We understand if we do X and their response is Y, 
what, what does that actually achieve for us? Right. Cause if you say, you know, by changing these specifications, we think it can reduce, you know, the golf ball by 8%, not suggesting that out there. Like we, we haven't even got to the point of looking at solutions, but you have to be realistic that the R and D staff is going to counter some of that. So the actual outcome might only be 5%. And those are the types of things we have to work through and look at. Uh, you're right. It's not, I mean, you look at, you look at the golf ball in particular. I mean, you can look at things such as spin with the golf ball. You can look at the mass and density, the size of the golf ball. There are a lot of different attributes that, that you could, uh, uh, a lot of variables that can be adjusted that would impact uh, the flight of a golf ball. And so those are, those are just all the different levers within the golf ball we can look at. And you add clubs on top of that. And there's just, uh, as you can imagine, our, our staff, is going to be really busy this year as we undertake some of these projects. Thomas, before we let you go, I just wanted to, to step back in time just a little bit. I think it was 2003-04 time frame. Uh, I remember we were at TaylorMade for a product launch, and this whole idea of COR uh, was introduced. I, I Again, not being an, an engineer, I didn't understand what that was, but this coefficient yeah, we of restitution. Dick Ruggy. That's right. Dick it was Dick, Dick Ruggie, yeah. And so he, he explained this, and this there was a limit place. This is essentially, as I understood it, the trampoline effect. So the, the CT yeah. now, I, I guess I wasn't exactly sure what that how that related. But in putting those parameters on with the COR and limiting it to 460 cc's in size, I felt like at the time, that was 2003, 4, correct me if I'm wrong, but it felt like that was a point in time where, okay, we're putting a limit on this. And I remember thinking, okay, this is as big as a driver's going to get, and this is basically as as hot as a driver's going to be able to be. And yet it feels like um, that, that it continues to find more ways to to gain distance. Can you kind of speak to what that was and what you've seen in trends since that point in time? Yeah, I mean, and, and look, and you also have to look at moment of inertia when it comes to a golf a golf club as well, right? And that's the flexibility of the face. So, how 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 does your ball react from a for off center hit? And so you have, you know, trampoline effect, moment of inertia, volume, mass, center of gravity. Like those are the primary attributes with a driver face that you're looking at. Um, but you're absolutely right. In two thousand two three, we came out with a joint statement of principles where essentially we said, you know, we we have rules in place. Here are the parameters in place. If we see substantial increases in the future, uh, then we'll be prepared to act from an equipment standpoint. Uh, we're not really reacting to that statement today as much as we're trying to look into the future. Um, and, 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 and so um, I guess another way to answer the question is you, it's not just equipment, right? There are three primary variables when it comes to, if you think about it in simple terms, when it comes to distance, you have the equipment, you have the player, and you have setup. The equipment is, is one variable we control. It, when you look at the player, right, it's athleticism, which has only increased and, frankly, mm-hmm. to be in awe of. Uh, yes. With the player, I think you can put in there uh, the, the availability of data, right? These guys train really hard. And there's trackmans and there's other systems in place that, you know, 20 years ago were not. Mm. And so these guys now have all this information available to make their swing as efficient and as repeatable as possible. Uh, and then you have course setup, which as a governing body, we can't control course setup, uh, whether that be, you know, at the recreational level or, or the tour level. And so you have these levers. The only lever that we can uh, influence and control is, is around equipment. So athleticism is not going to stop, nor would we ever want to try and regulate or stop that, right? I think that that's something that as we strive to, to all be better, we, we need to, again, be in awe of and support golf course setup. Right. What, what does the future look like? I mean, if, if water becomes even more and more scarce, golf courses are potentially going to become more and more firm. And so there are just all these things we have to look at. 
uh, as, as again, we, we try and at the end of the day, this is about leaving the game in as healthy of a spot as, as possible as we pass it along to future, future generations. And so we're just trying to solve and put the puzzle together to make sure that we're doing our part so that can happen. Thomas, we appreciate you taking some time really well explained for those who are listening and have more questions or want to dive into this. What, what do you recommend? What are the best resources? Yeah. I mean, if they go to, to our website at usga.org, we do have uh, a distance insights library and, and that library or, or webpage, I should say that webpage has a library that includes the distance report. It actually includes a summary document, which is not a hundred plus pages. It's more like I think 10 or 12 if they just want a, a quick synopsis of it. But then behind the distance report, there are 56 uh, uh, additional reports that go into depth. So as we talk about resource constraints or cost of labor or cost to uh, 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 renovate or build new golf courses, we have uh, you know pages and pages of data and charts to support that. So folks can go as deep as they want. Um, it, again, it's an important topic that uh, affects all of us. So I encourage people to check out the materials and, and begin to, uh, you know, learn a little bit more. Um, and again, keep the conversation going. Well, we appreciate your generous time and I know it's been a busy week. So thank you for that. And uh, we'll be anxious to see how this all unfolds. I imagine we'll have more, uh, what come later 2021, uh, or is this not maybe a year from now before we'll hear some summary results. So at the end of 21 is when we're going to sort of close off our research period. And, and at that point we will uh, circle back with our partners at the RNA and really dive into the research and the data that's produced out of that research. So I suspect, you know, this time next year, we'll, we'll probably be having uh, another conversation about further proposed changes. Um, again, the, everything is, is um, it's a long-term process. Our process is intentionally deliberate and it served us well. So this is not about changing something overnight. There's no silver bullet here. It's taken us, you know, decades to get here and it's going to take us some time to, to make change as well. All right, there you go. Thomas Pagel joining us here on Real Golf Radio, brought to you in part by Mountainland Supply and our good friends at Black Desert Resort. Bob, how about this? Our listeners are responding. They've sold already 290 of the original 300 reservations that are available down at the new Black Desert Resort. So if you want to get in on this first phase, it's a great opportunity. You're going to make some money almost immediately. 435, of course, I can't guarantee that. I'm not a, you know. But anyway, uh, it looks that way. 435-252-9736 or go to blackdesertresort.com. I was down there last weekend. The place is so cool. Uh, and it's going to be such a great uh, addition to the golf landscape there in St. George. We'll take a short break. We'll wrap things up next. Thanks for joining us here on the Mountainland Supply Hour of Real Golf Radio. Hi, it's Ned Siegfried. Siegfried & Jensen has been around a long time. We've been handling injury cases for over 30 years. During this time, Siegfried & Jensen has had the privilege of helping tens of thousands of Utahns. If you've had the misfortune of being injured in an accident, we'd love to help you as well. To talk to us for free about your situation, call us at 801-222-2222 or visit us at SiegfriedJensen.com. Those who know love heading to St. George, Utah for year-round fun, especially golf. But where to stay is always a challenge, and getting a tee time can be tough. What if there was a Scottsdale-style golf resort in St. George where you can stay and play? And what if you could own your own residence there? Well, now there is. Introducing Black Desert Resort at Entrada. The second and final chapter of the Entrada Vision offers a full community with exceptional amenities from residential villages, hiking trails, 
trails through preserved lava flows, spa, world-class dining and shopping, and a Tom Weiskopf Championship golf course. It's literally an outdoor paradise that will strengthen family bonds and make lifelong memories. That's life at Black Desert. Find out how you can stake your claim at blackdesertresort.com. Blackdesertresort.com. Exclusive real estate opportunities are available now. Black Desert Resort at Entrada. Unlike anything you've experienced before. You might know Mountain Land Supply for its plumbing products. But did you know Mountain Land Supply also carries landscaping, irrigation supplies, and tools. They can help you design and calculate the exact feet of pipe, sprinkler heads, and nozzles to use for your yard. Using smartphone technology, you can even control your watering with state-of-the-art controllers. For all your landscaping needs, go to mountainlandsupply.com to find the location nearest you. This is Brian Taylor. In 22 years of hosting this show, the most life-changing experience I've had was getting LASIK surgery from Hoops Vision. I met Dr. Philip Hoops and Dr. Phil Hoops Jr. over a decade ago. They helped me through the decision process of understanding what benefits I would experience and the various options I had to choose from. One thing was for sure, I was done with contacts and glasses. What a hassle. Not ideal for my lifestyle. Of course, I was nervous. It's your eyes after all. But the Hoops Vision free consultation was absolutely key. They were thorough and walked me through everything to put my concerns to rest and the day of the surgery was so easy really one of the simplest things I've gone through and it worked I could see instantly and 12 years later I haven't had any issues at all I can still see that tee shot land 300 yards down the fairway well you know close to 300 yards anyway schedule your free consultation today at hoopsvision.com join the list of happy patients like Mike Weir Bruce and Boyd Summerhays Bob Casper and me oh and mention Real Golf Radio and you'll save a thousand dollars off your LASIK procedure do it now at hoops vision.com. Introducing the Amazing Rewards for Business 321 program. With the Amazing Rewards for Business Visa credit card from Zions Bank, you earn three points for select business purchases, two points for travel, and one point for all other purchases. Learn more about the Amazing Rewards 321 program at ZionsBank.com or your local Zions Bank. Zions Bank, we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business. Subject to credit approval, terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. Zions Bank, a division of ZBNA member FDIC. Hey, when you're not hunting birdies on the golf course, you may just want to hunt or shoot. Get some guns and ammo. Yeah, it's what you want. It's also the name of the store. Stop in one of the four locations along the Wasatch Front with Get Some Guns and Ammo stores in Murray, Orem, Layton, and Tooele. A great selection of firearms. An indoor shooting range for rifle, pistols, and shotguns. And Get Some has a large selection of range gun rentals, so you can try it before you buy it. Beginners are welcome. Come and learn from the experts at Get Some Guns and Ammo, open seven days a week. It's a reround on Real Golf Radio with Brian Taylor and Bob Casper. There are bag rats, and then there are caddies. Pro jocks who are legends in caddy shacks across the PGA Tour. While we can neither confirm nor deny the existence of this legendary looper, here he is. The Caddy on Real Golf Radio. Yep, every caddy is tasked with trying to take the complicated and make it simple so we can make a decision and move on. So let's see if we can enact that wisdom and sage advice. Caddy, uh, pretty interesting stuff. Before we get fully into the USGA and their distance discussion, we've got to talk embedded ball rule. I mean... What what were you thinking when you saw all that going on last week at the Farmers? Well, I had the volume up 
when I saw it real time. And I just kind of watched and uh, didn't think much of it. It just looked like taking a drop, you know, checking whatever. And I didn't think much of it. And then I kind of turned the volume on and I heard Nick Faldo seeming to have a little bit of a problem with what just happened. So, yeah, I didn't study it too closely. Um, I thought that uh, Patrick Reed kind of followed the letter of the law more or less. Um, and, and, and what he did, I'm not sure that you have to, I mean, for, for, for what I, my understanding is you can, you can just say, Hey, I think my ball's plugged. I'm going to check it. Everybody in the group goes, okay. And you check it and you know, there you go. And, and so I don't, you heard speculation about things like, Oh, he palmed the ball or he did this or that. And, um, that, that kind of stuff, um, well, look, the reality is, getting away from the letter of the law and all that, Patrick Reed's going to come under scrutiny probably for the rest of his career because he's Patrick Reed. Yes. And, uh, you know, you can say he brought it on himself. You can say whatever you want, but that is what's going to happen in the court of public opinion, and that is what happened. So I would say, do, did I see anything that I'd say was, you know, against the rules or this or that that he did. I didn't, I didn't see anything. Um, so yeah. And then of course Rory comes out and sounds like he has the same situation and everybody's kind of going, Oh, you know, but then we hear about the marshal on the foot yeah, and stepping, stepping on the ball. The ball and so yeah. that, that change, that changes a lot of stuff because the ball was probably, you know, severely buried in there. So, Anyway, um, we could go on and on about this. Is it physically possible for a ball to bounce and embed? Sure, absolutely. Um, you can say, is it likely or unlikely, given those conditions, that that happened? Well, figure that one out for yourself. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, we were just basically, I, I think he did the right thing. Brian Taylor, Bob Casper, appreciate you being with us. It's brought to you in part by You Went to Golf, serving Utah golfers since 1971, as well as Siegfried and Jensen, 801-222-2222, our good friends at Siegfried and Jensen, and You Went to Golf. You know, those two have been uh, sponsoring and keeping golf going for many a years. Bob, it's been a fun show. Yeah. Um, Patrick Reed's going to be who Patrick Reed's going to be. And every right. time he does something that's a little off, he's going to get mob mentality. He's going to attack. And I'm not going to try to defend him, but I'm telling you, what he did on, on uh, at the Farmers Insurance Open didn't warrant the response he got. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, this distance thing is going to be interesting. Yes. And I'm very anxious to see how it plays out and hear more comments coming from the manufacturers in the months ahead. Yeah, it's going to be intriguing to hear what the USGA uh, kind of settles on as far as that's concerned. Um, we heard a lot of good stuff from Thomas Pagel, and uh, uh, I, I'm, I for one, am kind of interested to see how it's all going to work out. The other thing, on the other hand, with Patrick Reed, you know, we saw the drop. Um, he was absolved by the USGA. He did it correctly um, by their standards. By PGA, uh, yeah, Tori. By yeah. the PGA standards, excuse me. And um, also, he jumped to inside the top six on the Ryder Cup standing. So we love him as Captain America. He's the villain on the PGA Tour. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Super Bowl weekend, I am going with uh, Phil Hoops and his Chiefs and Andy Reid. What do you got? I got the same. 
I got the same. Go Chiefs. All right, it'll be fun. Thanks to Dave Glauser, our producer. Thanks to all of our friends at 1280 The Zone. Thanks to you for listening every week, 6 to 9, right here on The Zone. We'll see you next week right here on Real Golf Radio. Thanks for listening to Brian and Bob on Real Golf Radio. Join us on Twitter at Real Golf or on our website at realgolfradio.com. It's been real. 